Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to talk to you about making authentic friendships. You might remember the founder, Juliana Featherman, from episode 34 of Adventures in Autism. She is an autism sibling who created this amazing interactive web app that enables children ages 13 and up and adults with special needs to make friends based on age, interest, diagnosis, and geographic location. Parents and caregivers can also sign up to connect with other parents and caregivers. For more info or to sign up, head to makingauthenticfriendships.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 82. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you have been listening, thank you so much for coming on back. How is everybody doing out there? (laughs) We are on week two of like total self-isolation. Uh, I live in Illinois. We have a shelter in place order going on right now. Obviously, COVID-19 has kind of taken over all of our lives and we are just doing the best that we can. So honestly, Logan has really amazed me with how well he has done with this very interesting new schedule <laughs> that we have. Actually, it's it's really not interesting. It's like the opposite <laughs> of interesting. It's kind of boring. Um, but I was so nervous with how he would do without school and just that structure. And he's just completely surprising me and doing really awesome. Actually, just today, we're thankfully, we still have ABA. Even though we're on shelter in place, I don't know if this is different for everybody, but essential businesses are still open. So Logan's therapy center that he sometimes attends is closed, but because most of really all we do is in-home therapy, that is still considered essential or medical. So as long as we were comfortable with his therapist and they were comfortable still coming here, then we could continue his sessions. So we, we all have felt comfortable with that. Um, and just today his, his therapist was saying to me that he feels like Logan is more vocal. He was like saying a lot, he was actually replying yes to some questions that he was asking. So it's, it's always amazing how it's like you have these ideas, good or bad, and then your kids sometimes surprises you. (laughs) Uh, so that's great. I will say mom, is losing it a little bit. I'm definitely (laughs) got some cabin fever happening over here. I'm sure you guys can understand that. Manny is actually still working because like I said, essential businesses are open. He is a a parts manager at a car dealership. So their shop is essential. People need their cars fixed. So he is still working. Thankfully, I have my sister here 
which if you guys have listened to the last two episodes, then you know that my sister and I are, are pretty close and you're familiar with her. So she's not working now. So she has like very graciously hunkered down with me and the kids. So she's helping us out. Thank you, Melissa. We love you. You are the best aunt and sister ever. So yeah, we are, we're getting through and I will say a bright spot since everyone is home. I have been recording like crazy (laughs) this past week. Um, If you listening, if you have thought about being a guest or maybe thought about sharing your story and would like to be a guest on the podcast, I would love to have you. If you would reach out to me, uh, email is probably the best way to do that. If you would email me at adventures in autism, 2018, at yahoo.com just with like who you are a little bit of your story what you'd like to talk about I would love to hear from you so today's episode we're back to business as usual my sister is gone <laughs> like I said she's here but um this is actually a really fun episode that I recorded a few weeks back with my friend Lainey who I had connected with on Instagram we had talked about this in the episode, but way, way back when I first started the show and the Instagram account, and I have just loved following her family. They are, they're so cute, so sweet. I love everything she shares. She has such like a great positive outlook on everything. Lainey has a really unique journey with autism because she has a younger brother on the spectrum, so she is an autism sibling, and then she also, she has four kids total. She's super mom, but she has two little boys that are both on the spectrum, so we talk about her journey with her brother, with her two sons, with all her kids, just a lot to talk about. And we had just a really great, very honest, open conversation about what it's like to, you know, parent a child with autism or in her case, two children with autism and just kind of family dynamics and everything that goes into that. So I really did just have such a great time chatting with her and I know that you guys will enjoy listening. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Lainey. Hi, Lainey. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you. No, thank you. I'm excited. We have actually, we connected like a while ago on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like right when I had first started the account. Um, and I just, I love everything you share. Your family is so cute. I I also love Disney. <laughs> as you guys do but I love I love anything Disney related um so I was just like so drawn to you and your family so I'm super excited to actually get you on and like really hear your story because you have a really unique kind of journey with them yeah if you will kind of like take us back to the beginning what that was like for you and your family I'd love to hear yeah definitely okay so I am what how am I I will be 34 this year And I have a younger brother who will be 30 this year. And when my brother was five years old, he was diagnosed with autism. And back then, geez, so I was nine when he got diagnosed. And I was like 95. And it was so different. I just remember my mom, like always talking about how, oh, you know, Christopher's special, Christopher's special. And that's always what she would say. And Autism wasn't as, like, well-known, I would say, as it is nowadays, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really understand a lot back then. I just knew that my brother was different, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say that my brother was a little more, I would say, severe, a little mod mod severe. He, um, 
he did a lot of scripting, a lot of monologuing, and he'd always have one little object with him that he would just fixate on. And I remember I've always kind of been protective of my brothers because my mom's a single mom. So I kind of felt like the other parents, even though I was only a couple mm-hmm. years older than them. And I just remember being very protective of Christopher, even though I didn't necessarily understand what was going on. I just knew that he was different. Mm-hmm. And my that's where our obsession with Disney comes from is because of my <laughs> brother. Like that's all he would watch was Disney movies on repeat all day long, Disney sing-alongs. <laughs> our house ran on Disney. Mm-hmm. And when we were out in public, I would remember him singing and laughing and then people would just stare. And I just remember my mom getting so mad. And my mom's very aggressive, I would say. <laughs> uh, big time mama bear. Yeah. No, no problems. Speaking yeah. her mind. And she would just be like, what are you staring at? And I remember at that time, because, you know, you're young still. I was like 10. I didn't really understand too much. I would be kind of embarrassed. Mm-hmm. it's like you you don't really know what's going on yet so you don't understand so yeah it, it's kind of embarrassing when people are staring at you and people make little comments but as I got older I learned to not really care what people thought and as you get older like there were definitely not as many resources back then as there are now and even mm-hmm. my mom my mom makes comments about that all the time about how if only Christopher had ABA or he had this and, you know, things would be so much different now, even though I will say that he's so different than he was when he was first diagnosed. And that's where I kind of like, it gives me hope for my story. And I feel like my brother kind of prepared me for what was to come. Mm -hmm. Obviously I had no idea that later on, eventually I would have my own children with autism, but with our family, it we feel at least our our beliefs are that it's genetic mm-hmm. and that it can run in the family because my mom has cousins that have kids that are on the spectrum. My mm-hmm. mom's brother has a son, so my cousin is on the mm-hmm. spectrum. Mm-hmm. So like we feel it runs in the family. So I remember growing up thinking, oh maybe you know, I could have a chance of having someone with, you know, with autism, but it never really, I doubt that would happen, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never actually thought it would happen. (laughs) But, um, so growing up, obviously you just kind of learn to deal with it. And as you get older, you're more educated and, you know, more versed in it. And then when I went into the working field, my mom had always suggested, because my mom worked for a school, the school district, you know, why don't you become a para like a instructional mm-hmm. assistant and I was like you know I barely have enough patience to deal with Christopher you think I could deal with somebody <laughs> else's kids like I don't think I could do that it's one thing if it's my brother I don't know if I could handle someone else and then mm-hmm. I went for it and I was a substitute in a edu- in a kinder SDC class and I fell in love with it and then mm-hmm. I ended up working as an ABA therapist for a little while until I got pregnant with Mason and oh, then I took maternity leave and then I never went back. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we had Mason in 2013 and um, he, I want to say he was very typical when he 
was born, like he hit all his milestones appropriately. And I never really thought anything of it until he was probably around 10 months old. And he was pulling himself up to stand. And I remember him standing on the TV stand watching a movie and he was like flapping his arms. Mm. And I was just looking at him and I'm like, is that what I think, think it is? Like, mm-hmm. is that what's going on? And I remember mentioning it to my brother, my other brother. So it's me. I have a middle brother and then the little brother, mm-hmm. the little brother, <laughs> the, the youngest is the one with autism. And then okay. my middle brother, he, he's two years younger than me. And uh, he was my roommate at the time. And I remember asking him, do you notice what Mason's doing? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Mason's fine. Mason's fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I, I think he's no, no, no. He's just a baby. He's just a baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right. So then Mason got a little bit older. And I remember we went to Disneyland and I went to bring him into, he was probably like a year and a half. We went into the bathroom and somebody used the hand dryer mm. and he flipped out and was mm-hmm. like clawing up me trying to like get off the changing table. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? What's going on? Like, you're okay. You're okay. And I, it was just, sorry, the baby's making noises. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But, um, yeah, I remember him like reacting to the hand dryer and I'm like, okay, these are too many little things that are adding up. And I remember mentioning it to my mom and my mom was the one that was like, yeah, I can see it. I didn't want to say anything. But oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she had noticed things on her own. Mm-hmm. Similar to what you had noticed? Yes. Okay. And, uh, because for me, it's it's sometimes I feel like it's hard to differentiate between like a baby being excited and like autism. Like, you know, oh, absolutely, yeah, like especially with so little, it, exactly. it looks similar. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then you know, people when I try to talk about it, they would be like, "No, no, 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 he's fine, he's fine, he's okay." And I'm like, "Well, mm-hmm. even if he had autism, he'd be okay." It's, yeah, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's a whole other story. Yeah, I'm like, that's a whole other topic. But this is what I noticed. And I I think for me, because I had my brother, like, I didn't go through those typical, like, stages of grief that people typically go through. Mm -hmm. Or, like, most people go through when they find out, like, their child has special needs. Because I kind of, like, fast-forwarded through all of that. And to Mm -hmm. me, growing up, autism was normal. Like, that was my normal life. So... Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, this is what it is. This is what I see. But it was definitely hard with my husband. Mm-hmm. Because so when Mason was like two, I could see it even more. And it was like the vacuum he would freak out about the minute we brought it out of the closet and he saw it. Mm-hmm. It was over. He didn't like fireworks. So we got him headphones. But even kind of getting him the headphones and you know, mentioning the little things, my husband was like, no, 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 he's, he's fine. He's fine. And I mean, I like, I try not to get too upset about that because obviously it was different for him. He didn't grow up with that. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit harder for him to take in in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when we finally were like, okay, no, this is really what's going on. I remember one of the questions that uh, my husband had asked me, was um will he be able to play sports 
Mm-hmm. And like, you know, my husband's a big time sports guy. He's very athletic and like, that's what he did growing up. And so mm-hmm. for him, he was just like, you know, is my son going to be able to do that? And I think that was one of the hardest things for him. Cause at that time, Mason was very, I would say different. He didn't really talk. He was a little more on this, you know, severe side he wouldn't really interact with us so at that point in time like thinking of the future it was mm-hmm. way different than what we're going through now mm-hmm. so when he was about three we finally went for it because my mom kept telling me you know do early start early start but I kept putting it off for some reason I think that's just me and my anxiety having to like call and set up everything <laughs> I was like no I'll wait I'll wait I'll wait and by the time they turn three you can go straight through the school district mm-hmm. and I had worked through at the school district so I knew everybody right. I knew what to expect and who to deal with and what was going to happen so I was comfortable with that and uh, we got him his educational diagnosis and he started preschool a little after he turned three and then um with Maddox, our second, it was a little different. Like, as when he grew up, so Ma- Mason had a really bad speech delay. Mm-hmm. And then as Maddox got older, he seemed typical when he grew up, hit the same milestones, same thing, but he was very hyperactive. Mm-hmm. Very hyper. Like, that kid is like nonstop on the move, <laughs> jumping around, and we we just thought he was very hyper but he had a bit of a speech delay and then he had little sensory issues but we weren't sure if they were like um like if he was just copying what mason does Mm -hmm. or if he was actually feeling those certain things so that was kind of where it like again when we would talk to people about it because my cousin worked in the field as well and she's like no no I think he just has a speech delay but I think he's just mimicking Mason and I'm like okay well I took him into we have Kaiser I took him into Kaiser to get a speech um, diagnosis because I was like well I at least want to try to get him help for that because he had a really bad speech delay and he was Mm -hmm. hitting two and when we went in the speech therapist was the one that was like have you thought about getting him a diagnosis for autism and I was like well I didn't, I wasn't sure if that's what's really going on. And she's like, well, typically when they have a language delay, there's always something else going on. And I'm like, okay. So I put in at that time, Mason only had an educational diagnosis. So we put in for an autism assessment for both of them at the same time. Okay. That was one thing I was going to say. They're really close in age, right? They are literally 364 days apart. Okay. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you, I mean, in a lot of ways, you were probably going through like this stuff at the same time with them in a different way, it sounds like, but Mm -hmm. because they, they are so close in age. And then one other thing you said, I am a little bit familiar with Kaiser, but for Mm -hmm. anyone who's not that's that's just like insurance in california correct yes yeah. yeah, sorry yes oh no so- it's okay i just I, yeah i wanted to make sure i had that right okay yeah you- that, that's our medical insurance that we had okay um because you're you're in um where do you live in california in the bay area in okay the- gotcha that's what I thought. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, I just want to make sure that, okay. So you had both of them mm-hmm. going at the same time. So yeah. especially because you had said that with, uh, with Mason, you, you kind of skipped over the grieving period, but then how was it processing? Okay. Now I may have two boys on the spectrum. Did that change things for you? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I really wasn't sure what was going on with Maddox. I knew he had a speech delay, mm-hmm. but I didn't really, I, I didn't really grieve him. I just was confused. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. sure what was going on. And then at that time I was pregnant with Cole, our third. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we had just a lot going on. So then when I got yeah. them, we took them to get their, their medical diagnosis. It was like two days, one Mason went in first and then Maddox went in and when Maddox went in. So when you go in, I don't know how other people's insurance do it, but with Kaiser, it was, you go in, they had like the, the psychologist come in and then a autism specialist come in and they did like their little tests or whatever. And then, at the end, they give you the results. Like, here's what we found. This is there's a one, two, and three level, and mm-hmm. this is what they graded on, because they, you know, they no longer we don't say high functioning, low functioning. It's like a one, two, three. Mm-hmm. I think one is um needs little assistance. Two is like needs moderate assistance, and three is like needs severe assistance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so when she came in for Maddox. She was reading all these things and I was like, oh my goodness, like these are things that I had forgotten from like you would think I would have remembered from working with the Mm -hmm. kids. Like Maddox did a lot of echolalia Mm -hmm. and I like completely forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Like he would repeat back, like I'd be like, oh, do you want to play with toys? And he would just be like, toys? Mm. I'm like, oh, do you want more toys? More toys? Like he wouldn't answer me. He would just repeat back what I was saying to him. And I had completely forgot about like all of that. So when she was reading all these things that she had picked up on and like the way that he was talking, the tones in his voice were changing and this and this and that. And I was like, I felt in that moment, I didn't grieve, but I felt really bad mm-hmm. because I was like, you know, Ma- here's Mason who had like obvious signs of like you know the quote-unquote typical autistic behaviors mm-hmm. and so he got a lot of extra attention and then here came Cole our third baby and he's a baby so he mm-hmm. was getting a lot of attention so Maddox was like in the middle and he I I felt horrible because I was like there's so many things that I should have picked up on that I didn't because of like everything else that was going on I felt like he had like fallen through the cracks and that for me was like the biggest thing that for me, it wasn't, I didn't really grieve. It just, I just felt in that moment, like a bad parent. That mom guilt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big, big mom guilt. With him. Totally understand that. Yeah. Um. So, so it was more surprising for you with Maddox. It sounds like then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a little more surprising. And then we, after I got his medical diagnosis, then I went back to the school district and gave them the results of that because we were doing his educational around at the same time and I think that because of the way that Maddox like appeared to be more he interacted a little more than Mason did that they weren't necessarily going to give him the educational diagnosis Mm. until they saw his results from Kaiser 
Mm. And they were like, okay, yeah. And they gave him an educational diagnosis and he started preschool in an SDC class not that long after. So they both, it was like right after they turned three, each one of them. So the one year Mason turned three and then the following year Maddox started school as well. Um, you're saying SDC. What does that stand for? Oh, <laughs> so over here, <laughs> SDC is a special day class. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, it's just different. We call it um, ECC, like Early Childhood Center. So it's just like everything has like a different, it all means the same. Right, yeah. I just like to always check with that because otherwise you're like, wait, what's that? Because everything's Mm -hmm. an acronym. Um, Okay, so then both both boys started preschool Mm -hmm. and they're, they're still pretty little. How old are they now? So Mason is six and Maddox is five. Mason is in kindergarten and Maddox is in TK transitional kindergarten because of their birthdays. They're both mm-hmm. September. So they um, didn't exactly hit the cutoff for kinder at like five. Mm-hmm. So they started, they do out here, we do transitional kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so it just so happens that they're in the same class right now because there was only a couple um, TK K combo classes for a mild, moderate uh, special education. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're in the same class. And I actually had to fight for that because they were going to send them to different school sites. Mm. And when Mason was in transitional kindergarten and Maddox was in preschool, one started at 815 one and then the other one started at 8 45 so it was a lot of like in the car driving around for me. yeah it was a lot and I had to at um, Maddox's transition meeting to go from preschool to transitional kindergarten I like broke down and told them how you know I can't this is too much for me and they were still kind of like well you know we'll put it in the notes but we can't guarantee it and it wasn't until I emailed them with a big long letter and like the education codes and told them like, this is what you're going to do. Then mm-hmm. move in. And they're like, okay, we'll put them at the same school site. Well, good for you for advocating. For that. <laughs> <laughs> How did they do in the same class together? Um, so Maddox is in class for three and a half hours and Mason's there longer. So they're not there completely at the same time. But they're for the most part, they're fine. That was a big thing in the beginning is why they didn't want them to be in the same class because they were afraid that one would like hinder the other. Mm -hmm. Mason would regress. And surprisingly, they do pretty well. Mm -hmm. Although I do, sometimes the teacher tells me that one you know, Mason won't want to do work because he's more concerned with what Maddox is doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My concern was them at the playground because I know when they did summer school, they were at the same site. And at recess, Mason only wanted to play with Maddox and he would like pull him away from other kids. So that oh. was my biggest concern. But yeah, they have their own friends and they play together and they play with other people. They're kind of like twins. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure being so close. So close in age, yeah. But uh, for the most part, they're pretty good. I think that's so cute. I can only imagine if my kids are <laughs> in the same class. <laughs> yeah. My daughter is like so protective of Logan. I feel mm-hmm. like 
she would just be like this little bulldog like guarding him <laughs> oh yeah I, I love that. that's kind of that's how I was with my brother. yeah when they like look out for each other mm-hmm. um so well it sounds like they're both doing really awesome now yeah. And it's interesting because you had said about your husband, like that was one of the hardest things for him. Like, mm-hmm. will he be able to play sports? And that was like a hundred percent what we had gone through. Cause mm-hmm. same, my husband is like, he still plays softball and golf and he's just mm-hmm. always been like very athletic. And you know, when you have a little boy, it's like oh, yeah. immediately picture, you know, like yeah. playing catch and throw yeah. the ball. So that, I think that he is, I think that he's better about it now. Logan also, seems to really not that he's like you know a pro by any, by any stretch but he loves any kind of ball he loves a soccer yeah. ball he loves a basketball so I think like that makes Manny really happy because it's like yeah. like he kind of like gets that that you know fill yeah, um I, I also think like time has passed and he realizes like things are different oh, yeah. um but that like for a long time I, I think mm-hmm. that that was like the hardest thing for him too was just like accepting the fact that you know this this sort of ideal of like little league coach like that exactly. maybe wasn't going to be the the case. Mm-hmm. Um, how how has that been for you guys? Because I know didn't you guys you guys did like a they did a, they like, did yeah. baseball they did t ball um it so when he they both when they first got diagnosed like I said things were so different I'm mm-hmm. when they with early intervention they've come such a long way. And so Jeffrey did, they did, Maddox did soccer mm-hmm. and that, I mean, it was a little chaotic to say the yeah. least. They were, they were all four-year-olds on the team. Yeah. I mean, any kids four. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, well guys, this is, this is what a, a preschool class, you know, even typical children, like this is a preschool. Right. This is, they don't listen. They don't listen right. to anybody. <laughs> it's not just my kid. And then um, Maddox liked it, but I think he didn't get enough contact with the ball and you know he's very sensitive Maddox so it's like since he didn't get like enough action he would always get upset and kind of be like down and not want to play and so but with baseballs you know you, you come up you get your turn and you hit the ball and you run and they really enjoyed it but obviously like their attending isn't the best mm-hmm. so that was a little rough in general um but my husband loved it and it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, he, although he says he won't be coaching for a while, <laughs> like I'd rather watch right. him and play, but coaching was a little rough. Yeah. He got his spell. Yeah. We did um, a special needs mm-hmm. T-ball league with Logan over the summer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was like all our dreams came true. Like seeing him oh, in the yeah. little form, it was just like the cutest thing ever. Cutest. But I do think, and I didn't, necessarily realize this like so much of the game they're just like in the outfield oh, yeah <laughs> it's kind of boring picking grass at one exactly. point like um my best friend came and she's Maddox's godmother and they took a picture of him because he was so just like over it laying in the grass mm-hmm. staring up at the sun and they were like oh there's my godson <laughs> yeah well it's like it's so hot it's oh yeah kind of, it was like melting yeah he loved like being in like the dugout area mm-hmm hanging out with the guys and yeah when, he, when it was time to go hit but then the rest of the time which is most of the game yeah they're he, like yeah, he was it. like I'm over this so yeah I don't I think we are probably gonna take a break this summer mm-hmm. and yeah either do like soccer or basketball or something mm-hmm. but I think that and that's something I was just talking to another parent is like you know you have these like these dreams and ideals for your mm-hmm. kids and then you know it feels like that all goes out the window with an autism diagnosis and the truth is like 
it really doesn't have to be that. Like it might look oh, a yeah. little different, mm-hmm. but you know, you can still, I mean, I don't want to say for everything, but I think for yeah. a lot of things, it's like, you can, you can still like have these special moments and do these things that you always wanted to do. It just might be a little bit different. Oh yeah. It just, yeah. it's all about adapting. Like, yes, there's different. Th- and that the funny thing about theirs is like, even though it was a typical league, the boys, like we have really good friends from the boys class. So it was like four of them from the special education class. It was like four kids on the team with autism. And then you got the rest of the kids who are also just young and no attention span. And it was just all over the place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My friends in the neighborhood, like they had their kids on like a typical league. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, he just gets really bored. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like that's that's all the six year olds. That's like, not that's not typical. That's not like just Logan. That's like any kid. I'm like, I guess that's true. Yeah. It's so funny how you sometimes like for like like how you were saying like what's toddler behavior and what's exactly you know typical I feel like it that's it's it's always true like you think like oh this is just my kid doing this and it's like oh actually there's a lot of kids doing that autism or not yeah um one of the other things that I I really wanted to talk to you about because like you said when when the boys were diagnosed you had your your third little guy Mm -hmm. and then you just recently had Another little addition. Yes. And something that I get asked about a lot, and I actually talked mm-hmm. about it with a, a recent guest, is just that the, the idea of growing your family mm-hmm. after an autism diagnosis, it at the very least is can, you know, just feel different, but wow. it can also feel really scary. What was that like for you guys and kind of like making that decision to expand your family? You know, I feel like my situation is just so I feel it's just so different because Mm -hmm. of the fact of like how I grew up to me like just autism is just a whole different thing Mm -hmm. so I've always wanted to have a big family growing up I came from like even though it's just me and my two brothers my mom is one of 11 and so Mm -hmm. we have a huge family with all my cousins so I always knew I wanted a big family and I think and just going back to like my brother and working with the kids it just prepped me for like prepped me for this I've always wanted to be a mom and I knew Mm -hmm. that like you know I wanted a big family and they have given me a a lot of patience Mm -hmm. I mean I definitely lose my patience from time to time (laughs) don't get me wrong I'm definitely not perfect but I just I feel like I have a lot of patience so for me the autism wasn't really a question like Mm -hmm. can I handle it like is is this gonna be a lot I know that, you know, my husband sometimes questions that because he doesn't have as much patience as I do, (laughs) but it's more, we do have those conversations. Like, is this going to be a lot, you know, with Cole, we, Mason had already had his diagnosis, but Maddox didn't. Mm -hmm. So we didn't, I didn't think too much of it, but definitely after having all three of the kids thinking about adding one more to the mix it's plus two, like their age gaps are different. So now that like the boys are older and they're more into their routines and, you know, into school and I don't always have them with me, it wasn't too much of like, is this going to be too much? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that big of a deal to me. But that's why I'm like, I, I think for me, it's it's a hard question to answer because mm-hmm. in general, I feel like my situation is just really different. It's really unique. Well, I mean, I feel like, yeah, it, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and that's like when, when people talk to me about it, that's like always what I kind of say to them is it's like, you know, every family is so different and oh, yeah. it's, you know, 
the only person who knows what's right for mm-hmm. your family is like you and the rest of your family. Exactly. <laughs> so you just have to do like what feels best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think, like I had said to you before we started, like with, with our, our third baby with Layla, we were not planning to have a third baby and we were just like, so incredibly blessed that, mm-hmm. you know, we got pregnant by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> At the time we were, we were definitely scared because yeah. I see like, yeah, for me, I felt at that point I had kind of got my bearings in terms of like yeah. autism, but yeah, I mean, we were like thrown into this world that we knew nothing about. So yeah. it definitely like, it, it took a while for us to, I can yeah, just like kind of steady ourselves after that. Mm-hmm. And it was actually right after Logan had started ABA mm-hmm. that I found out that I was pregnant. And I'm so grateful for that because we, I felt like once we started ABA and like, especially when we like kind of got his team together, we were able to just have this like support that we didn't have before. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was huge. Just like that alone, having the support. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I remember like when I found that I was pregnant, I was like, I mean, thank God, like he has finally started, you know, ABA and like, mm-hmm. so he's going to get what he needs. Cause that was, you know, it's, like when you have another kid it's not even just like the autism piece of it but it's like whether your kids are typical or not yeah. you know you always are like am I going to be stretched too thin am I yeah. going to have Definitely. you know attention for everybody mm-hmm. so yeah it's just one of those things where I'm a cheese ball but I'm just like everything really does happen for a reason <laughs> I know we're on the same page yeah. <laughs> I always say that and I'm like I feel so cheesy saying that but it's everything does definitely happens for a reason and that's why I like the whole like I feel like my brother prepped me for mm-hmm. you know my life now and it's just I I know with when I was working with the kids a lot of things I would hear people say was, you know, if you have one kid with autism, you have a higher chance of having another one. And there was a lot of siblings in our um, school district. And I, so I want to say with my situation that I, I wasn't necessarily like, that was like a little bit of a fear in the back of my mind. I will admit mm-hmm. that, that I was kind of like, okay, so are they all going to be like that? Especially after, you know, the first two, I was right. kind of, it was cold. That was one thing that I did kind of was uneasy about mm-hmm. having kids. It wasn't necessarily that like, couldn't I handle this? It was just like, oh, are they all going to be like that? Mm-hmm. You know? And with Cole, I will say that for the most part, he does, he's a very typical two-year-old, but he does have some little sensory quirks mm-hmm. that we were kind of like, okay, is he picking these up from the boys? Yeah. Like, always I feel like that's always going to be the one question I have in the back of my mind mm-hmm. are you picking that up from your brothers is it something that you've learned is it a learned behavior or are you actually feeling that way so I mean that's something that'll probably always kind of be like okay what are we looking for with each mm-hmm. kid well first of all I totally get that because yeah my youngest she mm-hmm. has started to and not all the time and mm-hmm. I think it is a learned behavior because she kind of like smiles when she does it but when things are loud she'll like put her hands over her ears mm-hmm. and Logan does that like he yep. and he he doesn't even he's so much more of a seeker like he doesn't really have an issue with like sounds but every now and then especially when like the girls are crying or the dogs are barking like something that yeah. is really annoying he's he's much, yeah. put his, his hands up by his ears mm-hmm. and Layla has started to do that and like we kind of think it's it's like cute and funny because it's definitely something that she picked up from Logan yeah, yeah it's like whenever they, they do something you're like wait what is this like where is this coming yeah, from exactly. Yeah, it's it's like always on your mind. 
Um, but I remember talking to um, our pediatrician, and this was when my my middle daughter, when she was like, I don't know, probably probably around 18 months, like before two, mm-hmm. she would walk on her toes a lot. And that yeah. was something that, that Logan used to do. He doesn't really do that now. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's like one of those, like kind of like yeah. signs. All the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would, I'm like, Oh, she's got her invisible high heels on. Like we would always. Mm-hmm. Just, and I remember, but then bringing it up to the pediatrician and I'm like, is this something I should be concerned about? Cause she's yeah. toe walking. And the pediatrician said to me, like, you know, there are kids there there you're gonna see like these behaviors in any kid like that's just you know what if they're doing like one or two of these things it's not really cause concern it's more like when it's in conjunction with other things but I think you know for us as autism moms we're so hyper aware yeah we're a high alert (laughs) right of everything that it was like Mm -hmm. any any little thing that you know seemed like you know slightly outside of typical I'm like okay I got my eyes on this I think I've mellowed a little bit now with Layla, but yeah, yeah. there, I think every parent does that, but especially when you have other kids in the spectrum, you can't help it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. Cause I know you said your brother's he's 30 now. Mm-hmm. He's much different than like when oh, he was a child. So what, what's yeah. he like now and how is he doing? So oh, he's doing great. I mean, he's a little turd nugget as I like to call him. <laughs> all brothers. Right. I feel like he's just like, <laughs> he's like a kid trapped in an adult body I always, <laughs> like when I look at him he's still like my baby brother but when yeah. like I was saying before how he he was little he would like spin around and stim like crazy and he was very very picky eater very mm-hmm. very picky but now as he's gotten older we always like to say how he, how much he's like broadened his horizons and he's so fancy now when he eats before he would order like a plain hamburger when we would go out to dinner and now it's like Oh, I'll have this bacon western with barbecue sauce. <laughs> right? I'm like, where did this come from? But he does like a an adult day program that he goes through during the day and then he'll get dropped off to me and then my mom will pick him up after, you know, she gets off work. And um he's really good, but for uh he has a thing with babies. He's mm. always kind of been like that. Ever since he was little. Like he did he doesn't like the little little babies around him once they start getting a little bit older then he can tolerate them my mom used to always tell me that it was um that children some children with autism don't like babies because they're unpredictable mm-hmm. At least that's what like his pediatrician told her back in the day mm-hmm. so like with the boys he didn't like them anywhere near him but now that like they're older he'll sit there and have like a conversation with mason and maddox mm-hmm. that, Cole comes by him he's like oh you're too close you're getting too close <laughs> okay so two is like too little yeah they gotta be like sentences conversations or okay. else it's, it's, he's not having it but he it's like he's like a like I want to say like a 12 year old that's how I I've always like envisioned his conversations I mean he still monologues and he'll have his little giggle fits but for the, he's come into the world as I like to say he was very yeah. much zoned out as a child mm-hmm. he didn't really care about what any of us were doing didn't want to really interact with any of us and uh he was just living his life and now mm-hmm. he'll sit there and have full-on conversations he wants to hug people at parties and you know take pictures with family and all that mm-hmm. and he's doing he's doing really good i love i love hearing that that's awesome mm-hmm. oh my goodness 
Uh, well, this was so much fun to get to yeah. chat with you. Will you share where people can connect with you? Uh, yeah. So we have, well, I have our YouTube, which is uh, Skyver Dudes and Me. And it talks a little bit more about our diagnosis journey and our story there. And then I am at in, on Instagram mm-hmm. at Lainey, L-A-I-N-Y underscore S. And that's about it. Yes, and everyone has to follow you so they can see <laughs> adorable little kids. They are all so, yeah. so cute. And I love that you got your girl. That's so crazy. So fun. <laughs> I was so happy for you. You know, so you're having a girl. I mean, yeah, after three boys, like, you deserve it, honey. <laughs> I was totally, like, dead set. Like, oh, it's going to be a boy. It's fine. And now that we actually have her, I'm like, oh, my God, I couldn't imagine having another boy, like. It's pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, I love having a boy. And I was, after I had Logan, I was like, I was like, oh, I bet we'll have all boys. Like, I just, I don't know. I just fell so, so in love with him. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, I couldn't even imagine having a girl. Um, But yeah, it's it's so fun to have both. It's so oh, it, It's a whole nother level. Like, I'm like, I always tell people, like, I love my boys. I, they're big time mama's boys. Like, don't get me wrong. I go, but mm-hmm. something different about a little girl. Yeah. yeah oh my goodness all right well thank you so much for doing this it was so great to chat with you it was fun all right you take care okay bye bye for you the listeners of adventures and autism podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service i often get asked for book recommendations related to autism and one that i always go back to is called the out of sync child by carol kranowitz and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an ot and i read this book years ago before logan was even diagnosed it's not necessarily just for autism It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Lainey. Isn't she just a sweetheart? She really just is one of those people that has that like positive aura about them that I just love. I can't get enough of that. So I had a great time chatting with her. Definitely follow along with her and her family. They are, they're so much fun to follow. She shares the cutest pictures and just a lot of, again, positivity, but still honesty, really good stuff. So check her out. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or like I was saying at the top of the show, you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. 
I love hearing from you guys, especially right now. I am, you know, desperate for human interaction. <laughs> so talking with you guys has been definitely a bright spot for me. Again, if you are maybe thinking about being a guest on the show, if you've been thinking about it, but you've been nervous, I promise it is really fun and not scary at all. <laughs> it's basically just like talking on the phone. Um, so yeah, if you are interested in being a guest, please do let me know. And like I said, we're, we're all home. So might as well get some human interaction and we can have a, a little chat. It would be great. So yeah, email me, especially on email is easier because I like to hear a little kind of backstory about what you have going on, what you'd like to talk about in the episode. That would be great. And then one more thing, a little call to action. If you are enjoying the show and you would be so kind to leave a review, especially an Apple podcast, those reviews really do help people to find the show. And especially right now, there's probably a lot of bored people out there who are maybe looking for a podcast like this. And those reviews really help them to find it. So I hope everyone's doing okay. I hope you're all safe and healthy, staying home, of course. And that is all for today. And until next time, take care.